This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where I'm sounding cheerful and I don't know why because... The Seahawks have suffered a very disappointing overtime defeat to the Las Vegas Raiders 40-34 in a game where the positives, we tried to find them. We tried to find them and this is a very difficult one to find positives. There are some, we'll get into them, but Griff, overall this is a negative experience where Seattle lost in a variety of ways that are frustrating and almost recurring. Yeah. Um, it was it was bad to see the run defense just fall apart when last week or two weeks ago against the Bucks, you know, they lost in very specific ways, but then performed at a really high level in other ways. This game, it was just they were bad at everything. And early on, it seemed like they were content to match personnel and formations with the appropriate on paper anyway personnel formations of their own or rather personal fronts um but then it just slowly they started being eroded and then i wonder if if we'll look back and we'll just see like the return of playing way too much you know pass rush oriented fronts um on early downs and that's why defenders were getting moved so bad and if that's true and i don't know if that's true but if it's true it's really alarming that the second you take away one thing in terms of resources devoted to run defense, that everything falls apart. It's like there has to be a threshold level of a certain threshold met of how much attention they're devoting to the run schematically, and then they can defend it well. But it's really frustrating that, you know, you try to twist those knobs that you have, and as you, soon as you go, you, you, so you move slightly toward the pass to accommodate Devontae Adams, which Pete talked about in the postgame presser, you fall apart everywhere else. I mean, that's not, you can't be balanced that way. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, bef- before we delve into that tie, just overall misery, where, where, say, mm-hmm. say if you're, you know, on a one to 10 scale and 10 is very miserable indeed. Mm, uh, 11. This was 11. a, no, this, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm breaking the scale. I'm, I'm very mad. I'm, I'm mad online right now. Uh, I mean, all right. This was a disheartening 
regression for sure, especially coming off of what happened in Germany. Uh, some of the things that we saw, especially in the run game. I mean, 7.1 yards per carry, which obviously is going to be very skewed by the last run of this game, but that's unacceptable. 293 uh, rushing yards, 40 yeah. rushing plays. Yeah, unacceptable through and through. Third down issues, tackling issues. This team, you tweeted it uh, during the game, uh, just not very good in space. Uh, especially when it, it really mattered. There were some plays there that, that could have been made that just weren't uh, consistently. Um, I thought Cody Barton played a pretty decent game, so shout out to him. But uh, yeah, and then offensively, like they scored 34 points, which is great, but also they left quite a few points on the board. Run game was terrible for the most part aside from a couple basically the touchdown runs and that was really it um and so yeah you know it was just kind of a deflating game altogether um yeah and it's uh and i mean like even if they won this game i I think our moods would still be uh not exactly this but pretty similar because of just how poorly this defense played yeah yeah the, the, obviously, the man of defeat doesn't help, and we'll we'll start with the defense because we're defensive aficionados. But we will get into the offense. We will get into also some of the officiating. But the, the defense, what Griff was saying about how they're sort of having to, it, you know, they're trying to take away Devonte Adams. Carroll says after the game, we did some things that we wanted to do in the game plan on defense to try to slow down Devonte, take him kind of real seriously. We gave up way too much in the running game. We did not play the run worth a darn. We didn't get that done, as is reflected in the, the data. But, you know, you could you could envision that. That's what makes it so frustrating. You could envision how that was going to be challenging for them because, yeah, they struggled against what Tampa Bay did, where they mixed up their tendencies, but also when they're coming out in 21 personnel, two-back eye formation looks, it caused Seattle schematic difficulties. And obviously with Devontae Adams in the week, Clint Hurt was talking about how, in the lead-up to this game on the Tuesday, he was talking about how they needed to pay attention to where Adams was and how they were wanting to disrupt him in the past game while also trying to honour the run game. And you could see how that was going to play out as a dilemma and a difficult one for them to, uh, to pull off to an extent because they are a bit talent deficient in some areas. They can't quite get away with stuff, I think, in, in a way that gives them comfort. And this is why this seems to play out. This is why it's reverted. But then Pete was asked as a follow-up if the Adam stuff came at the expense of the run game, just to double-check, because his initial answer, I thought, was actually pretty strong in kind of blaming the game plan, in that we shouldn't have focused so much on Adams. we got to stop the run first, because if you think about the success they've been having, it's been when they've stopped the run, stopped the run, stopped the run, uh, and then they've got into their past stuff. That's how Pete Carroll has always sort of caught defence, whereas I think this system is a bit more halfway on early downs now at the Fangio system which they've transitioned to in 2022 now in that follow-up Pete says that's what I'm saying yes somewhat we did a lot of stuff to keep him out of the ball game Um, remember he had those 40 something targets coming in the last few weeks but then Pete mentions that he probably had 10 or 11 today so it didn't really (laughs) despite them taking him out of the game uh in 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 that they were trying to bracket him a lot they're trying to put a safety over him which obviously removes the defender from the box and it removes that run defender. It makes run fitting slightly more difficult. Despite them doing that, 
you know, he still had a lot of targets because he's going to get his yards. He's their best player. They'll manufacture yards. He had 11 targets, seven catches for 74 yards, 10.6 average and zero touchdowns. So he didn't go completely off, but he still had a very productive game. Yeah. And and Griff, you, you, you sort of mentioned before you came on air, but you're sort of thinking they just don't quite have the talent. Or is, is that right? Yeah. Well, so the whole idea is when you've got, when you have more, no, no, let me, let me, let me, let me restart. Um, no. When you're trying to plug more let's, than let's one hole. you turn here, Griff. Yeah, I'm U-turning on that phrasing. Mm-hmm. And I'm approaching the green light again. Or I'm approaching the intersection and I have a green light. There we go. Mm. Have there you looked over your shoulder? I checked the mirror's side, everything. But I also have right of ways. So sometimes you just have to hold your breath and hope you make it out okay. Um, the um, So when you're trying to plug multiple holes or address multiple issues like eventually there's going to be a weakness somewhere a schematic weakness on paper weakness and the best way to accommodate that um that weakness really is to just hope you have a talent advantage to to overcome that just so like just like seattle playing cover three for a decade you could get away with when you have earl thomas because he's a difference maker then that means you get to put your chips in other baskets because he'll take care of that. Like he erases the disadvantage of continuously being a one high safety, and then you can be versatile in other areas. So if Seattle wants to play, get double coverage on Adams whenever they want, that means the overhang slash flat defender slash curl seam defender, whatever the coverage is, the guy to that side has to be a coverage oriented player. Um, and in order to do that, you have to make the front work so that they're not put in some ridiculous con- run conflict, run pass conflict. Um, and so, okay, you can do that, but then your front might be so soft against the run, you have problems. And I'm wondering if when we watch the tape, will we see that? Will that be at play here? You know, will it just, will the, will the tape be telling us something really clear cut? I hope it does. Um, but again, it's really bizarre to me that Puna Ford just can't defend the run if they're not if he's not playing the right front and the right technique all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's it's hard for a lot of guys like Al Woods regresses in that front a little bit too, and he still did some things in the run this game. Um, but like it's it's tough. So it, it's a it's a balancing act, and um, you know it, it's. You know, this conversation lends itself toward talking about the draft, but we're not obviously there yet. We don't need to be there yet. But yeah, it's uh, you you can't you can't address all issues all at the same time. It's impossible. Yeah. And and Carol brought up as well. He brought up that what's different about the last two games is that they basically used a fullback. And what's really frustrating is while the Tampa Bay game, they got a bit caught out from, uh, you know, they didn't expect Tampa Bay to run the two back stuff. The Raiders game, we I was literally saying, we were all saying before the game, hey, this is going to be a tough matchup because the Raiders have an Adams and they are a 21 personnel run game where they found something against Denver where they lent on this powerful run game, this powerful fullback. Seattle knew going into this game they'd have to stop that. They'd have planned for this and they just didn't get it done. So, I mean, that's pretty, pretty worrying and it's not a good sign for the future, like, coming into this game, Las Vegas was three and seven. And 
just circling back to the point about focusing on Adams, even on the replays of some of these passing touchdowns, like the one where Brooks is matching the t- uh, Foster Moreau uh, with inside leverage, he ends up scoring on a corner route. Brooks is in good position, but, you know, well, one, the pass rush didn't get there. That's a different subject. But two, Diggs has come down. He hasn't played like a deep half as though Brooks was expecting him to. After in his press conference, Brooks says there was a miscommunication on the play. They didn't quite get it right. He was expecting someone there. Diggs comes down because Adams has come down. Uh, and he's focusing on Devontae Adams. And I think they had even more uh, bracket-like calls where they just double-covered Adams more than just playing a cloud to him and a zone over the top, uh, cover two to him. So I do think that will show up um, in run and pass as a way of... There was another play where folks on Adams hurt them. Oh, the, the game-icing touchdown run. Josh Jones is playing... I think they're playing tight will six, so cover four to the strength and cover two away. Josh Jones is the backside safety, doesn't really make the tackle on because he could have made the touchdown saving tackle, but he's so focused on Adams to start with because he's playing the deep part, but also is Devontae Adams. So big, big frustrating. And Ty also uh did they have three quarterback hits all in the first few, few uh plays and then nothing yeah. on Derek Carr? Yeah, the I think that was wasn't it. there, was it? No, it wasn't at all. And that was a big reason for the third down issues, right? Like they just weren't able to get him off of his spot at all. And he, you know, he's, he's better yeah. than people, you know, give him credit for right. Yeah. Especially with his progressions. Like he's, he's a good quarterback. He, he can dissect the defense pretty well. And like, you give him time, like he's going to carve you up. Yeah. And so yeah. real quick, Ty, you mentioned third down issues. Yeah. They, the Raiders finished eight for 14 on third down. So above that kind of magic 50% mark that Seattle's aiming to, keep teams below but they started red hot on third down yeah and yeah it wasn't great yeah so you know that's really the story there um and so you know i don't know how you guys feel and obviously you know we'll see after the tape but like is it just is this a personnel issue that they're not able to get to the quarterback consistently like what what's going on what do you think is happening here Well, um, I I would say, because Griff took too long to answer, I would say that Derek Carr is a pretty good navigator of the pocket in stepping up, uh, kind of honouring his drop distance each time. And I think that hurt the edge rusher's impact on the game in terms of, okay, they can set a reliable edge each time, but at a certain point in the interior rush, Mm-hmm. It seems like, and again, we will delve into the film. Check out the film podcast when it comes out on Thursday audio, but we do it live on a no Friday audio, but we do it live on a Thursday night. But I would say it seemed like they had a lot of their like Brian Monet interior playing because mm-hmm. they're trying to defend the run from four down. But then when you get right. past, you don't get much interior rush. I think they're just missing that kind of explosive three technique kind of player. They don't really have that. Like Puna Ford's quick, right? But he ain't mm-hmm. like kind of a he's he, not like a first round kind of three tech. And I think that's if we you know, Griff said about how we can think towards the draft. I think that is kind of what they're they're missing today at least. And then the other thing is Daryl Taylor is a, a real disappointment this season. No, no, yeah. don't just take my word for it. Like Clint Hurt said, he can be as good as he wants to be in the off season. After I'd said that, 
his talent last year was incredible. Now, maybe he's got too light to pass drop. Maybe he's playing hurt. You know, he's been dealing with some stuff. Maybe the change to the new systems impacted him. Maybe he's just suffering a sophomore slump because it's his second season of NFL, actually playing NFL football. Maybe his speed rush has been a bit worked out and he can't do much else. But he, he's he's not even getting passing down opportunities. Bruce Irvin took the bulk of the passing down opportunities. I even saw Boye Mafé in there more than I saw Taylor on the passing downs. Mm-hmm. Taylor was the guy they were counting on to be the dude. He was he was ahead of Nuosu. So it's crazy that Nuosu's actually panned out, which is good, but Taylor yeah. just hasn't hasn't been there. And so the pass rush on the on the edge is like very one-sided in in Nuosu. Irvin can offer a bit, but he's 35 years old and he was never like a crazy good rusher. He wasn't like your number one type, but Taylor still has the potential to be, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it's clearly not working out with him at the moment. So they're missing that edge rusher as well uh, to complement Nuosu. So I think interior Russian edge, but so everything, but, but Griff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think ultimately Carr, he mitigated a, a lot of what was pressure, what could have been pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Nuosu and Irvin both had a handful of rushes where they're kind of winning at that gray area, the eight to 10 yard area where they're getting the corner on their tackles because their tackles aren't very good coming to this game. That's what further makes the whole thing all the more disappointing. Um, but then Carr's just really good at stepping up and knowing just how much time he has to get the ball off. Um, like he's really good at that. It always has been. Um, it was weird. Like Puna Ford had two really clean pass rush runs. Like honestly, some of the best reps of his career as mm. a three technique pass rusher really early on. And then he was quieted the rest of the, you know, the rest of the game. Um, so yeah, ultimately like, I mean, Al Woods had a couple of bull rushes, but it, it, it wasn't enough. And Carr in general is just a guy that manages pressure really well. Um, I, I feel like, you know, outside of outside of what we talked about with the run defense, um, they kind of have a problem right now with Kobe Bryant, you know, mm-hmm. uh, matching stuff in nickel. And I don't know. Is, is it just, I mean, because, I mean, last week I said, like, he had good coverage on some of the ones that he gave up. But he's just struggling. He, he struggled this game. Maybe he just struggled this game, you know. Uh, Mike Jackson didn't have his best game. Um, mm-hmm. Then he was competitive toward the end, so it's not like he went down without a fight. But there, Devontae yeah. also made that ridiculous catch on him. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. Jackson had a fine game, really. Like yeah, he, he, so. he, you know, he had a nice pass breakup. Like he's that one-on-one catch he gave up was really tight coverage. Devontae's just a joke. Like he's just so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Brian, you're just seeing the ups and downs of a rookie who's playing like probably the hardest position in the defense, uh, especially in the back yeah, of seven. That's By the that's way, fun. we saw Trey Brown a little bit at left side. Yeah, I don't that, know. that was cool. He got rotated out there. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I, it was interesting. He got like one series, maybe. I need to see the snap counts. But uh yeah, with Bryant as well, like obviously the pass rush not doing it doesn't help because and he will get picked on a bit, but he got stacked to the top of roots a lot. And I think he may have uh-huh. been asked to do a bit more kind of inside matching that he was less familiar with. I think that is what the tape will uh will reflect. But like I come back to the fact that I mean, I know Pete likes to big up his guys. Like, obviously, that's his his whole thing. He supports his players, but he really did like his praise for Brian in that um, 
press conference that they kindly let me oh no in the press conference in germany where he he said like you know he could he's going to be the, one of the best nickels in the league like he clearly they clearly believe in him in the sense that i think he'll get the job next year maybe it'll push him with another vet but like yeah He's here for the long run. I think it's just, yeah, just no, like a learning process, but he definitely yeah, had a tough game. One. Now, in in the interim, though, it is ironic, and I don't. I think it's they should keep sailing on the path that they're on. But it is ironic that when they go into too high, they actually ask their linebackers to get depth, and they're they always end up making plays in too high. And then in cover three, one way they could help Kobe Bryant is if they stack their zones more, but they're just not going to, they're playing. They just want them to hug the running back now. Cause it's, it's mostly in cover three when Bryant's giving a lot yeah, of that stuff. Up. Like even that Quando digs first interception, the uh, like Bryant's beat on the crossover in the middle. Cause it's so hard to play. Like it's yeah. just the, um, the throw was off for some reason. And then the second Diggs interception, Cody Barton's brilliantly matched with depth to your point, Griff, in the too high world. He's brilliantly matched with depth to the, the, the tight end up the seam with inside leverage. Man turned it in, in a beautiful fashion. And so, <laughs> I don't know. That, uh, I don't know. I don't want to overreact to it, but it does. It, I just get the sense with the defense. Yeah, they've got this talent thing, but I also. I don't know if there's like mixed messages, mixed motives. They're not quite on the same page as defense coaching staff because they've made the same, they've kind of done the same thing that was an issue at the start of the year in, in like, you know, game plan issues. And uh, like, obviously yeah. Pete clearly was not happy with the game plan. And, and I he, wonder, he chose to fixate on the two back thing. And he, that's because he was also asked about it, but that was kind of a big deal that the beat, cottoned onto the the fullback deal but i think just as bad was some of the gun runs where like you know they're just going like five seven yards a carry like you're just like what are we doing here and it seems like you know they're always in that four down too high kind of look um yeah rough sorry Giff. no yeah i i, I agree so um the the one thing that I'm seeing on Twitter and I'm like literally looking at it on my timeline right now is why wouldn't you just have Tariq follow Devontae around? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Because that means playing cover one and mm-hmm. then you, you're losing the chance to play double coverage on him mm-hmm. on the perimeter. And that also means it can be hard to fit the run out of cover one, even though you're gapped out meaning you've got extra guy in the box, motion can kill you. And when they have a fullback back there, there's no way you would ever want to play man coverage with mm-hmm. a fullback in the backfield against under center. Um, and Devontae would beat Tariq. He, he would beat Tariq. And also it means that, yeah, he would probably beat Tariq. And also it means you'd have to play nickel in areas you wouldn't want to play nickel because you're not going to have... You're not going when when you draft cover linebackers. You're talking about them playing being good zone match linebackers. You're not saying, "Hey, go play slot corner on whoever Matt Collins." Like you, you don't even ask Fred Warner to play press man on the line of scrimmage against even a scrub slot receiver. It's different skill sets. They bring value in different areas. So playing cover one is really a situational call in the NFL. There's no way around that. So it's really just not that simple. So um, what happened on the? Um... The touchdown to Moreau at the end of the game. At the end, 
Like, well, yeah. uh, at the end of regulation, near the end of regulation, rather. The, are you the, talking about the corner the, route? Yeah, the, the corner one with route. Brooks and yeah, Diggs. Yeah, yeah, I think that I. It's like I said. I think I think Diggs just fixates on Adams, mm. but that might have been the call, and uh, he thought he communicated that to Brooks. But Brooks, in his post game presser, said that he gotcha. didn't. Now I wonder if there's going to be more friction between Brooks and Diggs because we know that they were being. Well, two and it of the seems biggest, like this is the other frustrating thing. The right, this is the other frustrating thing. Like this has happened multiple times between the two. Like, like the bust in Tampa Bay. Either one of Diggs or Brooks takes that under route across the field. Hey, like, <laughs> why are they? This loss, there's so many issues which we've seen in other Seahawks losses that were present today. Like, this is kind of maybe who the 2022 team is now that we've had what? What are they, six and five now? 11 yeah, games. So games. Yeah. We've had 11 but... games. I think, you know, you kind of got to believe that there's only so much that the team can, uh, can fix in a season. There's only so much they can do with their current players. Like, I think the other obviously big loss is Jamal Adams just fitting the alley, fitting the mm-hmm. run from depth in two high shells. And then exactly. also obviously his blitzing on, on passing downs would have helped as well. Like to, today, this was the second second game in a row where Seattle's bonus fire zones didn't break the protection scheme. So they need an added wrinkle there because um, they were relying on them quite effectively in, in other weeks. Now, I yeah. suppose a passing downs uh, option. So, yeah, the the, the defense. I, I don't know. It's it's going to be a long way back from here. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So they they have each individual player that was on the field today, to varying degrees, has all had played. They've all played very good games, and individually, they've all had bad games, with with the spectrum they're in, and they've all had days where they've all played very well together at the same time and all played very poorly together at the same time. So they can be anything at any week right now. And that's good and bad. Um, Coming off of a loss, that's inherently kind of a positive optimistic statement because it means, well, they've done it before. They can play well again. I believe that, but I also believe they could have a repeat of this Raiders game. I also believe they could kind of have a weird game where it's somewhere in the middle, like the Bucks game. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, you just gotta, you know, I hope the tape reveals some themes where it's like, you can at least kind of point to something like, okay, this is kind of the source of the problem schematically live in something else a little bit. And maybe there'll be a positive downstream effect. I don't know. Um, but it's happened before, so it can happen again. Um, yeah, that's all I got on the defense. Oh, it is cool. I mean, Cody Barton is an all-around linebacker at the moment, which is he's been good in coverage for a while now, but he was doing things in the run game. And for him, it's just all about if he can key quickly, that means his feet are in a place to take on the contact better. And then he leverages the block appropriately and it's fine. Um, or he straight up doesn't get contacted at all and he's fine. So it's that's that is a good sign in and of itself. But had a great fourth down stop flying through um on the on the toss play. Yeah. Okay. So that's the defense. Ty, the offense uh was good. Like as you said at the top of the show, that you know, they scored thirty-four points, but then also 
again, recurring issues. They did weird things. They mm. stalled. Their run game had uh, 2.8 yards per carry, and they tried uh, 23 rushes for just um, 65 yards. Mm. Um, Gino had 307 yards passing, but it felt like he sort of had to kind of put the team on his back to an, an extent that it actually kind of hurt the overall offense, even though he played well mm. uh, overall. Uh, you know, also had a pick, uh, which again, really weird kind of funky mm. looking thing. Should this be happening then games of the season? Where are you at with it all? Uh, it was a really weird game for the offense because um, there were some moments where the passing game and Gino really shined, but there were also some moments where that just left you scratching your head. A um, couple of sequences that really stand out to me. The the I forget at which point in the game. I think it was twenty seven twenty seven at the time. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and they went. What was it? Screen run screen. And they ran screen to DK on third and eleven. It was just weird. Just weird play sequencing. Just weird. Oh, that especially, yeah. That was like especially the in that moment. Like, why did they turn? Yeah, yeah. Gino was yeah. cooking. Like, just let's go win the game. Yeah. Um. So that really stood out to me. Um. <clears throat> uh. And then you know, there's like a couple of moments, like the last drive, uh, the the two minute drill drive, where like, if DK fully completes that catch on the sideline, like this is like, I think Seahawks probably win this game. Because it seemed like they were kind of in a rhythm there, but then they get into a third and ten situation instead of having first and ten from midfield. Like the vibes are off. Also, you know, protection wasn't really holding up today. Uh, a sick Abraham Lucas against Max Crosby is just kind of unfair, and that showed yeah. up in some of the biggest moments of this game, um, and some of the biggest reps of this game. And then, yeah, they weren't getting any push. <clears throat> with the run game and you know andrew billings had a you know just wrecked this game for the most part for the for the raiders it seemed and so this uh yeah it was just kind of the perfect storm and like you said maddie like a lot fell on gino uh to the point where it just kind of you know it became too much on gino right like it just there was just too much on gino there was no support from the run game there was nothing that they could really lean on to to switch things up here and so you know, you, you you saw that, you know, uh, come back to bite them. Yep. Yeah, and again, we have to look at the, the tape, but if it felt to me like Austin Blythe had a, a difficult game. I'm intrigued yeah. to see if Walker was just missing stuff out there. He's also was seen um, by some of the reporters, you know, nursing a calf uh, on the sideline, so maybe he's lacking some of his usual explosion. I know football, basically everyone plays hurt, but with that maybe had an impact i don't know very disappointing day for the run game though and uh yeah we'll have to look at the tape to see why that happened should also say seattle again recurring issue they go three for nine on third down uh 33.3 lower than that 50 percent number they're aiming for their field goal efficient uh, their red zone efficiency sorry three for five 60 percent which is fine but you know i don't know that it's, it's frustrating because again it does feel like they've been here before but um, um yeah yeah and then and then griff would you have gone for it a uh, uh, fourth and uh five uh the las vegas 49 in overtime with seattle needing just a field goal um yeah with how the defense is playing yeah i mean i was probably i mean i 
I always believe I always believe in them to you know, and I'm sure Pete does like, hey, you can get right this drive, you know, because mm-hmm. they've done that before, even in their worst games. And they had a couple of defensive drives like that where they actually did play okay on those drives. So, but you know, the way the way the defense is going and the way Gino was playing, and he was didn't have the perfect game. He, yeah, I don't know if he had a very good game, but he, he gave you your best chance. So. Yeah, I yeah, because like at that point you're just you're having to defend them from a field goal, and they have a pretty good kicker who I know missed like a fifty plus yarder earlier, but like they, uh, yeah, no, they 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 just uh, I had no faith in them being able to to stop them uh, even from the fourteen uh, to hold them from a field goal, and sure enough, obviously they bust the the big run, but uh, I, yeah, I think just at that point. You know, because even you're you're still at midfield. Like, there's no guarantee that they're going to get a chance to kick the field goal. So I'd rather give you know the defense that chance. That's as much leash as they get, basically. Yeah, um, they should trade for Max Crosby. They should, and Darren just, Waller. Just saying, they should have drafted him. Yeah, should have drafted. I love both. how Pete. I love how Pete. Um, I mean, he's right too. But I love how Pete when he was asked about Max Crosby. During the week, he was like, he brought up his motor when the mm. thing which stands out to me about Max Crosby, apart from him uh, being white, is uh, his three cone time was something like ridiculous. Hold on, here we go, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready for a ridiculous three cone time? 6.89 seconds at 255 pounds. Now, what's cool about him is he's one of those guys in college who you're like, oh, if he just put on 10, 15 pounds, but he actually does put on 10 15 pounds and then he doesn't actually lose any speed he, and he looks guys, and he still looks slim as hell right i mean yeah. he's six five but like he looks you're right because he was he we are thinking of him as like a sam kind of candidate when he's running that four three right base mm-hmm. sam rush edge and like a like a you know a, a pressure getter rotational guy then he but turns now he into sets, now he sets the edge and he's like a four three end kind of he's just superstar. good at everything yeah. he's just good at everything incredible player um, um Anyway, and, that's yeah. escaping. So and and also his contract is really easy to get out of if yeah. you're the Raiders. So trade for him. So fire sale. Yeah. And, so and we'll 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 also take on Darren Waller's contract for them. And we can we'll take Darren off yeah. your hands too. Salary um, relief. So Salary um relief. yeah, so they can fire McDaniels. Or maybe he's probably um he's probably kept his job now. But um yeah, I'd have gone for it on fourth and five as well. Not least because Gino was playing well, he just they just got you know Abe Lucas got beat around the edge, which was I actually thought the tackles did okay. Like I thought the interior had a bit of a tougher game than the tackles. Again, need to rewatch, but just yeah. chip him, just chip him. Call your best. It's it's five yards. Gino can pass the ball. He was accessing the middle of the uh, field well. Yeah. was having a decent game. Uh, what was Goodwin's final stat line? I'm the stat boy. Let me let me yeah, dig that up. Boy. Stat boy. Uh, yeah, Goodwin had uh, three catches for 48 yards. Mm-hmm. Metcalf, uh, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 90 yards. Lockett, uh, three receptions for 68 yards off seven targets. Like they were. I, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. So Goodwin also had a nice uh, little jet sweep. Got them. Uh... He did, well, like third, he did. Third and short, so, yeah. That was probably one of his catches, actually. So, oh, no, maybe not. Anyway. Um, yeah, the, the the offense, I think, will be fine. 
but it is more kind of a case of we need to rewatch the what what happened with the the run game. And again, it's unfortunate that you know I think Gino played well, but it's really unfortunate that he couldn't go and win the game. Like, yeah, again, that's an issue. Like, that's an issue. We've been saying it, but we we're big Gino believers. We've you know, we don't need to tell you loyal yeah. listeners, but it would be nice for him to win one in the clutch. Yeah, this this wasn't really this was a really good opportunity for him to do that. The offense still hasn't scored in the last two minutes of the game. Like, what's that about? And that's not just Gino. That's everyone. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, Gino's like Gino couldn't block Max Crosby, (laughs) so you know. And then like the the weird fumble where it looked like they were kind (sighs) of stomping on the you know finishing the game stomping on the throw. uh, yeah. You know, finally it was like, oh, we, here we go. The the Seahawks have got it done. And um, well, let me find the situation that happened in. Um, there was like three minutes left. They were down in the red zone. It's a handoff to Josh Jacobs. He kind of got bent backwards. And yeah. there was no there was no whistle blown. <clears throat> no, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the, uh, the oh. fumble between Walker and Gino. Oh, that fumble. That fumble. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, so 11.54 in the fourth quarter, second and four at Las Vegas 23. And Seattle was... What was the score? I it think was it was 20, It was tied 27-27. Yeah. But it just felt like if Seattle got to that, then it would get one-dimensional. And even even with the Raiders taking over uh, 5.37 left in the, in the uh, fourth quarter... Seattle leading by seven. The Raiders just went in gun and started passing. And I was like, I tweeted out, this is great. They've abandoned the run stuff. They're just going pure pass. And that's when Adams just made his place and just was a baller. And the Raiders put four to a side to try and get him one-on-one. I think they had that one one-on-one where he made the great catch against Mike Jackson. And then eventually the Raiders got back into the run mode again. But I, I don't know. It's just a... The nightmare. I, I've rewatched that. Um, I've rewatched that the the touchdown play, the the game winner. I don't know what Cody Barton is doing. Yeah, because well, I, I I watched it. I mean, I I was thinking the same thing because it was two back and they're out capped, and they get lead strong, right? Some yeah, there's no like little, there's no wiggle. He just like I don't know. That's weird. Well, he he thinks he's he's like fitting the backside fit so if he's fitting that gap but that mean Diggs was in the fit but then he would have been the half safety so there's no that's way not, he that's not how it works though like you should just yeah, fit off the fit you fit off the fullback like I don't know yeah I don't know maybe he I, it doesn't make sense that the behavior doesn't make sense on that one um he, he fits in like one gap one back and he's the a right. gap player he, yeah frustrating oh. at that point shit was so bad man yeah. Well, um, there's still a winnable game at that point, though, so that's, can't succumb to that line of thinking. Um. Anyway. Right. So finally, if that if that's the offense done with, then we've probably missed some things. But do you really want to live every traumatic detail? I don't think so. Um. No, no, no. The officiating. Now. <sighs> now I am not usually a oh aren't the officials evil sort of person because I think mm. it tends to be what goes around comes around, even though that's not actually true, is it? Sometimes teams do just get hosed. But 
this officiating was particularly weird. Um, so firstly, Phil Hines had his um, a downfield penalty where Seattle got a, a fourth down conversion in the in the red zone, and it came back on the lineman downfield where it looked like on the broadcast Haynes engaged his block at the line of scrimmage and then just kept on that block. Now it could be that he peeled off right at the end, but I mean, what do you guys think of that? I, I to me that seemed like a nonsense penalty, but maybe at the end we we didn't see him come off the block. I uh, I didn't see how far down he got, so I don't really know. Yeah, but the point being, if you're blocking someone, you can it's fine. You can go as far downfield if you just stay right. on the same block. Right. So if he stayed on the block, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if he got off the block. I only saw it the one time on the replay during the game. Griff, mm. did you watch it back at all? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of ticky ticky tack calls, and you see a lot of those go either direction, and you see them missing those calls a lot, and. It's just frustrating that they don't call it there when they had called it earlier. So, and then talking of downfield blocks, the Mac Hollins one that was tight. Right. I feel it, I mean, a lot of people said it was only one yard downfield. I think they executed the heck out of that play, but also I would like to rewatch that. And then the yeah. really weird one. So, let's deal with it in order of weirdness. So, Firstly, that, that Metcalf catch being overturned, I actually thought in real time that was not a catch. And then the official signaled catch, and then they spent... It must have actually been over 10 minutes reviewing the play. Yeah. Uh, which, that's a whole separate subject, because them spending 10 minutes doing that meant that um, rather than Seattle getting first and 10... It would have been at um, Seattle's 47 with them marching and they had about just under one minute left to try and go and get a field goal to win the game. It killed the momentum and rhythm of the drive. It brought up third and 10 on Seattle's 35. And it enabled, rather than Seattle being up-tempo, enabled the Raiders to call in a play on defence. So I get they wanted to get it right, but if you have to spend over 10 minutes reviewing a catch... How is that indisputable evidence to overturn the on-field call? I've never seen a review that long with the new, you know, indisputable language. Guys, am I am I tripping here? Or I agree. If it's taken that long, I don't know how with the language saying, you know, indisputable sure. and controvertible language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, like, at the end of the day, I did think it was incomplete because the ball, like, it looked like it was just kind of in between his legs there by the time that he was out of bounds. But when it takes that long, I think you just got to stick with the call on the field. Yeah. I, and like, then... I thought I saw enough on the replay that to overturn it, like, quickly. I'm kind of surprised that it took that long. Mm. I don't know what you guys saw, but... Yeah. Uh, and then the the most egregious play, where um, egregious uh, was it? Al Woods had Josh Jacobs in the tackle. Yeah, he had Josh Jacobs so. in the tackle, and Kobe Bryant, as he does, comes in, punches the ball out. Seattle mm-hmm. gets on the ball, and at what point was that in the game? It was a very long. Yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, it was three minutes left in the. In they the they game. said after the fact. That I I mean I didn't hear a whistle, but like. Yeah, so three three minutes in the the fourth quarter, that would have won Seattle the game basically because uh, yeah. 
it ended up being that the Raiders scored on that drive and tied it up 34, uh, 34 again. Mm-hmm. And instead, they said forward progress had been stopped so Pete Carroll couldn't challenge the, the fumble recovery. But there was no whistle until after the ball had been recovered. So I have yeah. no, I have no idea yeah. how that makes and even, any sense. That's the shadiest one. Yeah, that's the shadiest. And, and maybe and he was, today. maybe his ankle was down, but like it so wasn't though. It, it wasn't. So wasn't. It wasn't. Not it even wasn't. close. And and to, to even even if like the whistle coming in late is weird, but then forget about that. Like even calling the whistle at all. I mean, blowing the whistle at all there. Would have been crazy because like he's like he's it's a, it's yeah he's in the middle of a and there were so many tackle. plays where and josh jacobs fell like forward that. for like three or four more wriggling forward they were letting him do that because he's a you know he's that kind of runner so it's right. a joke and, and i mean like what what were they signaling signaling on the field when they blew the whistle finally were they signaling was he down or were they signaling forward progress or did they just decide it was forward progress once pete tried to challenge like that's what I want to know. Listen, this was the same officiating crew in the Saints game uh, where they ruled a fumble on one and then the following throw they ruled it a catch when I mean you could argue, but like they they might have an calls. issue. They might have an issue. Might be time to uh might be time to give them some, you know NFL education. I don't know. What happens to bad refs? They go to ref, ref prison. jail. Yeah. Ref jail. Yeah. They, they send them down jail. to the Pac-12. That's why the Pac-12 has so many problems. Hmm. They're officiating. So, anyway. anyway, losing. So that sucks. wasn't why they lost, but um, it didn't help. Just like two weeks ago, them deciding to wave off offensive pass interference because the ball wasn't thrown that direction uh, didn't help. But anyway, yeah. Griff, the uh, the refs were just so drunk, weren't they? They were drunk. Capital D R U N J drunk. Drunk. Um, yeah. What yeah. was that? A Thursday night game. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, hey, we we need some jokes. We need some jokes to brighten oh, the mood. No, okay. we don't. No, no, no I, I just yeah, wrote yeah, some. I don't, I don't want jokes. I don't want jokes. I want jokes. There's no. I, I want, can't laugh I want ever jokes. again. I want jokes. Um, not uh, only well, did before, I... well, before that, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please do mm-hmm. review the podcast, give it five stars, download it, tell a friend about it, tell a family member about it. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overland. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers. Follow Griffin at C Mike Spin Move. And please like the video if you're watching live. Please comment and all of that good stuff. We appreciate you. Um, uh, Ty, do you want to plug any work? Follow. Oh yeah, Locked check on. out. Yeah, check out the Locked On Mariners podcast on YouTube on all your podcast platforms, just like us. Find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, check it out. I agree. And uh, if you want. subscribe, if you subscribe, the Mariners will sign Trey yeah, Turner. Subscribe, right. guaranteed, guaranteed. Guaranteed. And uh, and and uh, follow my Substack, Seahawks on Tape. And Griff, uh, what do you want to plug? Uh, I wanted to plug this joke that I wrote. Oh, um, what yes. do what do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? 
Um, I came up with this moments ago. Yeah, I I, I heard. I, I saw you were, um, uh, you were writing up some Did Alexander the there. Great, he was from... Uh, he, they they ate honey back in those times, right? Did they both yeah, yeah. enjoy no, they did ambrosia. bee stuff? Oh, my what? voice cracked bad there. Did they drink ambrosia? Mm. Not honey. Well, well, I'm sure. I, I don't, I don't remember that custard? in Winnie the Pooh. All right. What do Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Same middle name. What is the opposite of a croissant? Um, what? A happy, I, uncle. Uh, uh, a happy uncle. A pan of chocolate. Get a cross aunt, croissant, a cross aunt, mm-hmm. a happy uncle. You look good, Gorgeous. I'm really good at reading. <laughs>